Wow. 30th episodes. 30th episode right here. Wow. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Uh, hitting the 30th episode is a big deal for me. It's a good benchmark. Because usually in podcasting, before you start investing in it, uh, you really want to get a, a good amount of episodes in to see if people even like it, to see if you yourself are even interested in keep doing it. Because it does take time. It, it, it does take a bit of money. But if you enjoy doing it, which I, I've been, I've enjoyed doing it this long, you know, 30th episode. Uh, all the guests that came on have been great. Um, every I've gotten so much great support from the from the locals here, and I just want to say thank you, thank you to all all of you that have supported me and this podcast. Because uh, honestly, I didn't think I was gonna make it this far. 30th episode, no man. I remember the first day I did this was because I just turned 25 and I'm freaked out because I was having a quarter life crisis and saying, you know what? I haven't done shit with my life. Hmm. Maybe a podcast would be a good idea. That's why I did. Yeah. And because of that, that moment of panic, uh, I've started uh, this podcast and here we are. 30th episode. And to top it all off, we had a great guest today, Pete Munoz, uh, one of the biggest names in comedy here in San Jose. Uh, there's nobody else I could think of that that really uh, stays in San Jose and really helps uh, the local comics here by providing them space for them to practice. Uh, and by that, I mean like they're open mics. And because open mics... They're very important, you know. At the end of the day, they're very important. And Pete has such a, a, a great experience because he's been doing this probably the longest out of most of us here. And he has a lot of great insight. A lot of great insight that I took in. And I hope to any comedian listening in or any people who wish to do stand-up listening in also take in that insight as well. And wow, I just can't believe it. 30th episode. We're doing this. If you haven't already, go on Facebook, search JMS Podcast, and like the page. And I'm, try- I'm trying to get more people to, to like the Facebook page, you know, because I, I, I want more people to see the guests that come in and how amazing they are. I mean, it's one thing listening to them, but just, you know, uh, seeing pictures of them. I also try to post up a- any upcoming, uh, you know, stuff that they're involved in so facebook jms podcast and please i mean i know my 30th episode this sounds redundant but come on just in case you haven't done it yet just just subscribe come on it's easy just click subscribe on soundcloud uh, on itunes or whatever else you're listening to this podcast from uh don't know whatever it is um and I got I'm just so flabbergasted. I'm so flabbergasted that I even use that word right now because I don't think the amount of support I've garnished from this podcast, from the local music scene, from the local comedy scene, and in general, the local art scene here in San Jose has been amazing. You know, I, I think 
uh, you know, it all comes with the idea of, hey, these people inspire me. These are my friends and some of them people I've met and come by and I just want to see how they work and see the background and where they come from. And it has and it, it has proven to me that other people do care. Other people are interested in somebody that's talented and how they work. So, again, big shout out to all of you who have tuned in every week. And uh, I just can't thank you enough. And I assure you, since it's 30th episode, it's a good benchmark. It means I'm I'm definitely, uh, pretty much I'm greenlighting some upcoming projects I've been thinking about and about this podcast and what to do with it. You know, because you always try to bring something new to things. At least that's how I do it. I mean, let's see how the next 30 episodes turn out. All right. Uh, but before we go on, <laughs> before we go on to the to the conversation, uh, I made a, a major realization lately. I've realized how much of an asshole I am. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't think I was, I thought I was in the middle. You know what I'm saying? I, I thought, you know, I was okay. I'm an average guy. I can mean, I could be mean sometimes. I could be nice sometimes. But the, a recent development has happened where I had this, this reflection turned on me. And I was like, wow, I'm a major asshole. Happened about uh, two weeks ago. It was the Sofa District Festival, which went great. Uh, had a good time over there. And it was towards the end of the night where I was sitting with my friend. We are just hanging out and uh, just, you know, shooting the shit, watching, watching people walk by, some of them drunk. Pretty fun. And these three guys approached us. And these were like, you know, in shape, obviously some kind of business of tech people. These three guys kind of drunk out of nowhere as if they fucking knew me they go yo guys they said yo three white guys said yo to me and they're like hey where can we find an 80s live rock uh, bar here an 80s live band in a dive bar that's what they're practically asking for here in San Jose. Off the bat, I knew these 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 fuckers were not even from here. And yet they're asking for an 80s live band dive bar. And in my head, it just hits a nerve. I was like, the audacity to fucking come here to San Jose and ask me and call me yo and ask for an 80s live band dive bar. And these guys turned out that they're from the Midwest. I think that they're from Dakota, South Dakota, right? And in my head, in my head, I'm totally like just it just hit something in me of of fuck you. Who even has an '80s life band? And most importantly, this is the Sofa Festival. There's like twenty to thirty different live bands happening right now. And they're fucking great. And these fuckers are leaving the festival to look for an 80s live band dive bar. Go fuck yourself in my head. And this is all happening in my head, right? And this is like a split second, all this stuff happening in my head. And and I, I realized that I, I just, 
while this was happening in my head, I realized that I just stayed blank and I just kept looking at the guy. And the guy, and then I snapped back into reality. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 80s live rock band. Yeah, we got that here in San Jose. Uh, you know what? Just go down the block. There's this place called the Cinnabar. That's right. I was gonna take. I was gonna give them directions to go to Cinnabar. Cinnabar is where you go, you know, to beat some of the bad apples in downtown. You know, that's usually people with some kind of meth addiction hang out the Cinnabar. But I was, I was prepared to send these three poor guys, uh, you know, naive guys to a fucking uh shit in the wall dive bar in downtown i was gonna be that ruthless and the the only saving grace was my friend who goes whoa man really and at that point the three guys caught on that you know something was wrong you know because they were excited like oh yeah cinnabar we're at just down the street and i'm like yeah man you'll love it they got 80 shit there Take you and your fucking polo shirt over there. You and your like fucking five hundred dollar shoes. Yeah, you like it. <laughs> Maybe you meet Kenny Loggins. I don't know. <laughs> but my friend's like, yo, Jorge, what are you doing? And the guy's like, Why? What's going on? And then my friend's like, No man, don't send him over there. That's not what they're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point, the three guys are like, "What? What?" You know, and and then, and then boom, it hit me. Wow, I am such an asshole. I was about to send these these three guys to fucking a one of the ninth circles of hell, just because all they wanted was to see or hear a '80s live van dive bar. That's all it took. That's all it took for me to go fucking evil was for someone to re- to innocently enough request an 80s live band in San Jose yeah I'm an asshole I think it's just an indication of me getting old yeah alright <laughs> uh, I just had to share that in the 30th episode because at this point, this is what you're going to deal with, people. You're going to deal with this guy who who, <laughs> who snaps out of the most mundane things. At the end of the day, I was like, all right, guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, just go to the dive bar. And dive bar does not have a live uh, 80s rock band, but they have a fucking jukebox. I'm sure they're full of 80s. I know a lot of white people that go there. You'll love it. They went along their way. But am I wrong? Come on, fuck that. Really? An 80s? rock band live band an 80s live rock band in the middle of a music practically it's a music festival okay I don't know maybe yeah see I'm still holding on to it I'm still holding on to that anger about it I I shouldn't right I gotta be more peaceful with myself alright let's go with Pete Munoz Uh, again great guest great guest alright let's fucking do it fucking A a live 80s rock band. They, they can't even give me a fucking name. Like they knew I was going to be like a, a cover band of some kind doing 80s. Yeah, I'm still on it. I'm not going to the to the conversation yet. I'm still on that. Who the fuck does that? 
Go fuck yourself. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, see, goddammit, I, I can't I can't do this. I can't do this. Let's, let's move on to the conversation. Here's Pete Munoz, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to the JMS Podcast. It's interesting uh, because you usually comics don't come in this early. Yeah, and if they do, they're usually hungover. Um, uh, but it's nice. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Have we started or? Uh, Pete Munoz, thank you for coming to the JMS podcast. This is a a long time a uh, a coming. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I've heard. Uh, I've been listening recently to the episodes. Have you? Oh God! Which ones? Is it the musicians and comedians, or is it mostly comedians? I started from the beginning. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> when we had one microphone between me and the guest. Let's just start. I was. Uh, what day was it? It was. I want to say it was. What day is it now? It's Friday. I want to say it was Sunday. Sunday night when mm. it was so hot. It was freaking hot. I just couldn't sleep Sunday. Uh, watching football with my friends all day. And then drinking all day, and then you get home and you're like, you're you're worn out, you're tired. Like we watch football at my friend's house. He lives about a mile from my house. And you're a Dolphins fan, right? Dolphins fan, yes. hardcore. Sorry, to, sorry about what happened. Hardcore Dolphins fan. That was a tough game. Hardcore. Oh, who do you like? Uh, we had a tough game too. I'm a hey, Niner hey. fan. Oh, we, oh. we had a real tough game. We'll hug after. Uh, so. <laughs> Hanging out all day with my friends, drinking, eating, stuff like that. Then I finally get home, and I'm just, and it's so hot. It was so hot on Sunday. Um, and so I just, it's funny. I was trying to fall asleep, so I was listening to your podcast. <laughs> Did it work? Did my podcast put you to sleep? I was in and out of sleep for like a while. Like, it wasn't that I needed some, I, it wasn't that your podcast put me to sleep. It was, it was the only podcast that I could think of to listen to. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, and I was just fumbling through Facebook and I saw that cartoon picture of your face and I was like, oh, there we go. Yeah. And so I went on SoundCloud and I'm like, which one do I want to listen to? And I'm yeah. like, let's just start from the beginning. Let's oh, just no. take it. Let's start. Let's go from the, I think Victor Cruz was the first one, right? Uh-huh. Victor, well, actually it was David Fournier. First comic. The first comic. First comic, yeah. So I'm listening and then I, I fall asleep. I do fall asleep. And then I'm just in and out of sleep, and I, you know, I'm rolling over, and I just I I hear Iris Benson's voice, you know, as I'm sleeping, oh, wow. and you know, I'm just in and out of podcasts, just <laughs> in and out of sleep, in and out of podcasts, and then I come across this this one guy's voice, and I was like, I don't recognize this voice at all, and it sounded the voice sounded like um, if Val Kilmer would have won the Oscar for Batman, uh, it was like <laughs> the voice, it was oh I've been doing comedy for you know. For a while, right. Paul Diggins, <laughs> and I go, who is this jackass talking on? The, and it's, and I didn't, look, I didn't look on the name, and it's just like, well, when you work at the Improv, and 
and you serve people. You know, I've worked with a lot of people at the improv, and I, you know, I hit comment, and I'm like, he doesn't even talk like that in real life. And I looked at it, and it's like it's Paul Diggins. I go, dude, get out of here, dude. <laughs> and I was talking to to Ben Hadamio about it, and we were just cracking. His, it, dude, it's so it's like three thirty in the morning when I finally roll over, and it's just Paul Diggins just talking about comedy. And I'm like that. I'm like, who, who is this dude? That voice yeah. is just is like, well, you know, like you, know, you go to Friscati and then you head over to Woodhams and the comedy scene. I'm like, what? Are you, you know, a big backstory. Uh, just like I mentioned earlier, Paul Dickens is one of them. But there's been other uh, other comedians that came in, and I was getting nervous when they say they want to do it on a Saturday. Because I know that they're hungover from the Friday before. And usually they come in with that kind of, uh, like, you know, a bit more drawn out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just worn. Yeah, I just, you know, just, like, just real, you know, just, I got to go get the coffee first. <laughs> but thank you. Uh, I, I want to let you know about the first time I heard of you. Because this is when I first started doing comedy in San Jose, right? I really knew. I don't know what the hell I was doing. Anybody and and at the true, and at the time I was working at the kitchen in Gordon Biersch. Okay, I was a dishwasher, uh, prep cook over there. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed that a lot of the Latinos working in many kitchens know of you. <laughs> like, 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 That's tight. like, I remember like a couple weeks in, like, after I did like my first couple, uh, you know, comedies, you know, what I thought were okay comedy sets. Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I start, you know. Get on that bandwagon of like, oh, I think I'm a comic now. You know, tell my coworkers, yeah. they're like, hey, do you know Pete Munoz? Oh, do you wow. know Pete Munoz? And I'm like, <laughs> no, because I didn't really meet you till like uh, months after I started doing comedy. If anything, it Probably. was, yeah. I'm like, who's this Pete Munoz guy? And everybody's like, yeah, man, he's like, you know, the, one of the biggest comics here. <laughs> and so for the longest time, when I died, when I finally did meet you. I was intimidated because I was like, fuck, man. If the fucking felons in the kitchen of San Jose knows this guy, I don't want to fuck with <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying? My uncles. <laughs> but you've been doing comedy for a while. Like, how long are we talking about here? Like, nine years. In, it was nine years in June. Nine years in June. Yeah. And you're at a place right now where you're actually traveling for, for comedy. Like, on, on an almost uh, monthly basis, would you say? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, like, it's getting more and more. You know, everybody goes, oh, I'm on tour. You know, it's like. Like, the thing is, you want to stay on tour. <laughs> you know, like, you want to book a show, and, you know, like, you want to book a show down south, but from down south, you want to go from, like, L.A. to Arizona, to you want to keep going. You don't want to do that and then come back, you know? Like, what happened? I thought you were on the road. No, nah, I just had one show, you know? Like, if you think about it, that's nothing. Yeah. You know? Like, no, nah, just just one show. And th- that was, like, you know, a couple years ago. It's just growing and growing. It's getting... Every year I say it's getting bigger and bigger. Um, you know, it's not really... It's For me, it is, you know, to, in my eyes. Like, you know, I'm doing stuff where I'm going to New Mexico and not just doing one show. I'm doing two shows there, you know, then I'm, then I'm coming back. So it takes a long time, you know, to get to that point. At what know? point did you feel was the turning point where you tapped into these different venues? Um, well, there was a point. So let me see. When I was about six months into comedy, um, there was a different manager at the Improv. His name was Justin Charles Hollister. He was such a good person to to be around. He was just this crazy, 
Like if he didn't, if he didn't like you, he told you straight up. Like, yeah. You know, there was this. this He's one, a straight shooter, huh? Straight. He was. He was so good for comics. I think, like a lot of comics now, they might have it easy because someone doesn't. People need to be yelled at. You know, they need to be told. They need to be spanked. You know. Yeah. And this dude spanked the crap out of me so many times. You know, and the people are laughing on listening right now. Ha ha ha! Dude, he was. I got banned from the improv six months in. My first show at the improv. Oh, how did that happen? Um, so at the improv before there was guest list six months in that's gonna be a record man I had a show at the improv six months in a showcase wow and these shows weren't on Wednesdays or Thursdays on a Sunday you no those do never that that never happened they were on Tuesday nights Tuesday nights and there was no free guest list um, so the only way to get around that was either to make your tickets five bucks buy one get one but most of them were ten dollars to get in so the way the shows used to go is you had to have 50 pre-sale before the show started wow 50 pre-sale that's at 10 bucks that's 50, that's 500 dollars just on the tickets plus the surcharge probably another 200 bucks two dollars here three dollars there so you, before the show starts you're you you've made the club 700 800 bucks depending if your tickets are 10 or you've made them more than what you're probably going to get back before anybody's even started the day of the show, you had to have 150 people there, or they would cancel the show. So I'm nervous, you know. I'm nervous. I'm I'm freaked out that I got I got the show, um, and so I booked Felipe Esparza right when he started when he left Gabriel Iglesias to do his own thing. But and this was six months into comedy. Six months. So into Felipe comedy. was still not as big as he was. No, now. this is before Last Comic Standing. He had just started to take off from doing his stuff with Gabriel. I I, I want to say. I can't. I'm not too accurate, but I want to say at least a couple years that he is he a local guy. No, he's from he's from L.A. How'd you meet him? Six I did a in. show with uh, with Rick Martinez on a on a Tuesday night. My first time at the Improv, I had 125 people there to see me. Uh-huh. My mom paid. Everybody paid. It was it was a Tuesday night, and like I said, there was no free guest list. It was sold out. Like the whole you couldn't. That was my first time doing it. When you do your first show at the Improv and it's like sold out and you have that many people that come to see you, you feel great, you know? Yeah, you get a certain <laughs> high to you're it. You're like, whoa, yeah. you know? And so then the Improv manager, Justin, Justin Hollister, saw that I did that and he offered me my own show. So I was happy. I met Felipe Esparza on one of those shows. I used to watch this show called CTV, this local, um, basically like creepy coffee movie time here. Okay, so it's like cable access. Cable access, but it was for LA. So I, I seen comics like Paulo Francisco used to host it. Willie Barcena used to host it. This guy named Juan Garcia. I I saw that he was like 16 years old, you know, and that this is t- 10 years ago. This is before I started doing stand-up. So I would watch this show and see these guys. So imagine watching Felipe Esparza probably like 10, 12 years ago where he's still, he's funny, he's good, but he's about to blow up within the, within the next 10 years to where he's at now doing weekends here and there so I met a I, not met, I saw a bunch of these guys and my biggest and favorite comic my biggest influence favorite comic on that show was called Freddie Soto his name is Freddie Soto real natural just just was himself you know like you there wasn't jokes it was just like dude this dude is just funny as hell I can see him being in my family you know just like that uncle that that person, you say, you should do comedy, but he is doing comedy. He's the most natural comic I've ever seen. Um, and I met him um, right before he passed away. Oh. Right before he passed away. Um, and it was after he had done the improv. 
I go across the street. There's Freddie Soto and Manny Maldonado, his feature, who I do shows with now. I love Manny. And I met Freddie after he just sold out the improv. I met Bar and Grill. And I go, hey, Freddie, man, I like your stuff. You know, like, uh, I didn't go to the show. I'd never been to the improv before. I did before I started doing stand-up. I go, dude, that's cool, man. He goes, hey, you want to go Want to go have a drink? Let's go have a drink at the improv and I'll, or at, the, at Bar and Grill. I was like, are you sure? Like, I'm just like a random dude from the street. And I was talk, talking to him. He's like, let's go, man. Let's, let's go have a drink. I was like, all right. He left a sold-out, you know. If you do the caravan, you're talking to somebody after the show. He left the improv where he had just headlined the whole weekend. We're hanging out talking, you know. And I was like, I want to do stand-up comedy. I've met Cedric at, outside the improv, Polly Shore. None of them care. They don't care. They go, Polly Shore was like, whatever, you know. Same, same with Cedric. I met Freddie, and he goes, you need, you need to just do it, man. He said, he said, do your shit. That's what he said. He said, just do your shit. And I was like, we talked. I watched a special on TV, and at the end it said, rest in peace, Freddie Soto. And I just started crying. I was like, I didn't know him, but I met him, and I had um, like, like a... There's a connection a, there. A connection and encounter yeah. with him. And I was just like, dude, like I have to I have to, to do this. So back back to how I got banned from the improv. So <laughs> Yeah. So I met all these guys from that C T V show. I, I I started following them. I got really into stand up. I started seeing that it wasn't a big show, that it was something small that these all these local guys were doing. And I was like, Okay, I was I was watching them and if like I said, if you go back and you see them, they're 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 what they are now that was 10 years ago they're way they're they're the guys that are running the show right now hmm. Pablo Willie Felipe Edwin San Juan all these dudes from there I've just taken off and just brashed out and they're, they've done their own thing they're doing their own thing so my show at the improv um, the 50 pre-sale I go the day before the show I get there and I'm just nervous the improv manager Justin's outside having a cigarette looking as calm as I've ever seen him before in my life so I'm like alright he comes up and he goes, bro, dude. And I'm like, oh, shit, here it is. Here come the numbers. 89. I was like, what? That's it? Pre-sale. And I was like, oh, shit. 89 pre-sale by $10. That's over a 1000 bucks that the club's already made without me. He's loving me, right? He's loving me. We had 180 or 90 that were there total the day of the show. Show's great. I love it. I'm having a good time. He's like, we'll do a next. We'll do the next one. We're going to do the next one. The next date that he gave me was the day after Labor Day. And even with no guest list, we still had 80 people there. 80 paid people, which you couldn't get 80 paid people today at a local show. You couldn't get that. That's 800 bucks. You, you cannot. You can't get that at all. I don't care if it's Jason Rogers' show. I don't care. He's got the most people that come nobody's gonna do that you know like it's just probably people at home going I could do that I could not not to get them to pay it's yeah. gonna unless unless you have like a super headliner or you have like a big benefit or something but dude it's just that whole free guest list thing just wiped just changed a lot of stuff so would you say for the better or for the worse I think for the worse how so it's just people are just like oh it's free who cares you know that's kinda like how it is now it, it devalues the humor yeah you're seeing shows with like 10 comics you know like you're seeing you're seeing shows just anybody can do the improv now anybody and everybody's doing the improv now we used to do the open mic there on Tuesdays 
And that was when most of the guys that wanted to get on would do it. It was just one night where they would just put everybody on. And then people were walking around. This is what I was told. People were walking around saying that they do the improv. Oh, I do the improv. I do the improv. I'm a two-month comic. I do the improv. Yeah. So they didn't like it, and they stopped it. Oh, no. Um, so, so my show, the day after Labor Day, 50 people were there. 50, 80 people were there paid, and we got in a huge argument. Over what? Over the fact that there's nobody there. Uh, the day after Labor Day, like right. you know, everybody like, already celebrated. They just want to chill at home. Done. I mean, it, it would yeah. it would be different. And so, so uh, the manager um, comes over. Everybody at the show, we're just like, oh, we go across the street. We're at bar and girl. We're drinking. Me and this guy, we just get in a huge argument, and he's in my face. Pete Moon, he's yelling at me, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm just sitting there taking it because I'm. I'm in such a bad mood. I'm more like just crushed that he was just yelling at me. That like, and at, at the show during during the show at the club at his job, nothing. He was fine. He's cool. You know, we got to do better next time. Gets done, comes back, and we just start yelling at each other outside on first on Second Street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right in front of Bar and Grill, and I'm just like, dude, like, and everybody's telling me all the comics that were there, they're like, just let it go. He'll get over it. Just don't worry about it. And he goes, you're banned from here. You can't come back. And I was just like, where, where am I going to do comedy at? You know, like, my life's over. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Six months in. Six and months, I fucked it up six already. Six months in, I got my show. So this is about eight months in. Okay. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? Oh, my God. I'm banned from the improv. So um, I messaged him back the next day. He's like, I meant everything that I said. I was like, oh, man, this is this is real, you know? Um, and so but the, the cool thing about that is when I got banned from the improv, I started going everywhere else. I started going to Vallejo. I started going to, to Tommy T's all the time. I didn't really go to San Francisco as much, but I just went to like Sacramento. I was just hitting everything that I could, um, you know, stocked. And I, Mod- I love Modesto. See, th- I think that explains a lot why I feel a lot of the working class knows you because you're hitting up these cities or these towns where it's mostly working class people. Yeah. And I think, and I just made the connection now. It's like, okay, no wonder all these, uh, you know, dishwashers and, and prep cooks and all these people working in you know like super hard jobs know you yeah you're I'm, a working class comic yeah and it was so good for me for him to do that to me to say you know what you're not wanting to hear right now whatever whatever we had you know he had every right to be mad at me I dropped the ball on that show um I booked a headliner from LA um I should have had just I wasn't think I learned a lot so by him closing the door, you mm-hmm. saw an open door in, in other areas. Mm-hmm. I just started going everywhere. I would get off work. I used to work right here, off of Tasman, right here, right by your house. I used to ride by 237. Get off work, shoot the Tommy T's on Monday. By myself, I'm in traffic just sitting there, leaving at 5 just to get there by 6, you know, sign up, do that over mic. When I'd get done, I'd shoot back to Bamboo Lounge over here where we used to do that on Mondays. And then after that, I'd go to the Brit. So it just like when that happened, I was like, man, this this is like you can't just walk into anywhere and just be like, I'm going to take over. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, and at the time there was there wasn't that many sounds like comics. It was me, Butch, Fernando, Brendan Lynch, Dan Wilson, Tina Allen. I know I'm missing like Damon Ferguson, um, Richard Kiss. But there was there was no there was no scene here at all. There was there, no no community among no, the few that were no, here. No nothing. No nothing. This is before Atu started, um, um, and so when he, t- he did that to me, I was like, dude, I 
I'm not gonna settle for you know for this. And I started going everywhere, and Pepper Bellies. There's this place in Fairfield that was great. If you signed up on Monday, if you signed up on Monday, their open mic was on Tuesday, I believe. And if you signed up in time, they would give you twenty bucks for gas. If you would, if I would say and say me. Uh, me, George, Victor, and Danny Allen are, are going or will be there on Tuesday. They go cool. We got your email. You'd get there on Mon- on Tuesday, and they give you twenty bucks for gas. It's awesome. Sweet. So I started hitting all those places, and I started meeting all these people. I I met Matt Gubser at Pepper Bellies. You know, like I started to meet a lot of different people out there that that are good for me now. You know. Yeah. Okay. Now it seems like you were a big fan of stand up before you even started doing stand up. No, I was more for me the way I started. Um, it was like SNL, so I would see Jim Brewer was my favorite character on there. They did him wrong. Um, <laughs> so you grew up on SNL? Yeah, I grew up on SNL. Um, so I didn't really get into comedy. I want to say about fourteen, fifteen. So, but I grew up on SNL because like a group, my all my friends are funny. Everybody around us, we we would all joke off of that. We would feed. Yeah. Off of each other, you know. Everybody has their group. Everybody's funny. Everybody's group is funny, you know. Like, uh, but we had man. It was like me, my brother, uh, my best friend Pablo Javier, and like we would watch SNL at night, and we would talk about it in the morning. You know, dude, the one skit. If we did, if we didn't spend the night at each other's house and watch it, you know. So instead of it being Saturday mornings, it was Saturday nights for you guys. Saturday, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> Fuck the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we we had I didn't when I didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't watch any like um I didn't watch Comedy Central. I, it was just funny stuff to me. Was the only comedy humor that I can get my hands on was SNL. Um, and so like Jim Brewer was funny, and then I I found out that these guys, most of them, were comics to improv sketching and all that stuff like that. And then when I found out like there's, that there's two different worlds, that there's improv and there's comedy, I'm like, eh, improv. I, I hate improv. Have uh, you tried it before? No. I just... Just the principle of it's improv. Just, it's, it's like blue cheese to me. I, it, I know enough to, <laughs> to not like it. You know, like, eh. It's pretty highbrow, uh, but not my thing. But people go crazy off of improv, man. God yeah. damn, it's funny. Um, It's cool if you do it. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying for me, you know, like I don't. I don't care. Hey, I, I feel I'm it takes a different breed of, of of a person to do improv. Yeah. Uh, and, and stand up. And if you can do both, wow. But like, if I, you can do both, it's good, you yeah. know. But and uh, there's a lot of improv people in San Jose now, so like they're probably gonna get mad or not get mad. But but in general, I feel the comedy scene is growing a bit. Do you do you, would you agree with that statement? It's getting bigger all yeah all the time. But, all the but time. do you feel is it getting better? I think it's getting better. I dude, I'm. T- I'm all about San Jose being better. Uh, I've I've said that since day one. I want, I want San Jose to have its own festival. You know, I want I want a lot for San Jose. You know, I wouldn't be out dying at the Keys Club if I didn't want. You know, like last night. You know, I wouldn't be doing where I'm at or you know pushing shows and doing. You know, I want San Jose scene to be to be big or not to be big, but at least you know I just want it to be a little bit bigger. You know? Yeah, you, you talk when you first started, you, these different rooms. I didn't imagine there were so many rooms available here. God, I've ran maybe like 10 pizza spots. <laughs> um, I think I counted the rooms. I must. I think I've run like 10 different rooms. Um, but the thing I like about my rooms, I like my rooms to be like someplace where you come not just to do comedy, but you come to hang out with other comics and you come, you're, you're networking and you're just like, 
people that they just want to be around comedy. You know, like I used to get mad at like people that show up to rooms but they don't go up. You know, um, you know, I was like, well, what are you doing? Here? Yeah, you know, it's like, and then what, what if they just want to be around comedy? You know, yeah, like that's 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 a good way to get your mind thinking. You know, you're not s- sitting there like stealing jokes, but people are there's comedy vibes going around this whole room. You know, and it's just people would just I like people just to come out and just hang out. You know. Uh, I used to go to rooms sometimes and just be around comedy, you know. So one of the first rooms that I ran was called um, Signori's, this, the pizza pot spot over here off of Santa Clara. And it was on Wednesday nights. It was after Rooster Tea Feathers. So it started around 9 o'clock, and it was about a couple miles from Rooster's. People would get done with Signori, or Rooster's and go to Signori's. Um, that mic was where I learned how to do a lot of crowd work, a lot of riffing, a lot of improv stuff, and dealing with hecklers. Mm-hmm. That room was awesome. It was, your, it was your first hosting room. My first hosting room. How beer, did that go? Beer Run Bobby got it for me. It was awesome. Um, I used to get paid in pizza and beer. They Sweet. had they serve uh, beer by the gallons. They have a gallon of beer, like a big. It, it looks like you're gonna go paint a house. <laughs> they wow. just and it's like just pizza. Uh, I mean beer and then they would give me two pizzas they'd give me one pizza at first and I would just let the comics eat like whoever whoever got there in time or when I got there like I would have a big pizza and they would just come and just it'd be gone and then I'd get one for home when I would when I would leave but I got paid in pizza and beer um we had people would just get done with roosters like I said they would just get done with roosters or the ones that weren't on at roosters would just come over after so I mean like Justin McClure would always come by Phil Johnson, Susan Maletta, Drew Polt would go through, Butch, Brendan Lynch, Sammy Obeyed, Kabir when he first, Kabir when he was Kabir, now he's Kabizi, um, you know, and Sean Sinha. Oh, they're, they're the same person? Same person. It's the I, same guy. I it's thought crazy. it was two different people. It's, it's at least seven people. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so one sweaty one, one not sweaty. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, like we, it, and it was just like. Even if you didn't get on, you would just go and hang out. And that's what I like. I like when comedy, when people in comedy, like, get together. And they meet, and they meet, and they go out, and they do, oh, how'd you meet? Oh, I met at Pete's room. You know, like, there's guys that, that start for the first time. That are There's guys that are just there with their girlfriends having a drink at Woodham's. And then they turn around and go, man, this is some horrible stuff. I could probably do this, too. They get up on stage, and then they try it, and now they're in our little comedy scene, you know? Yeah. Like, Brady Holt was like that. Daniel Carrillo was like that all these people when people want to get up and do it for the first time at one of my rooms i love it you know i mm-hmm. love that where they're just like man that's cool i, I want to we've inspired someone else to want to get up on stage too okay and i want to go back to your beginning what gave you the like all right i'm gonna do this like, uh, what gave you that gumption i, I know you mentioned freddie yeah but like oh this is way before that so so yeah like, so like i said snl and then my friend Pablo, my best friend Pablo, um, he had cable. So we were at his house watching watching uh, just Comedy Central. Like the old school ones that started with the trumpets. Like the little, the weird, the old school ones in the 90s. And it was Johnny Sanchez he was on. And I don't remember much of his set. All I remember was him saying, he goes, and then the cops came. And like the, the three... Like the these four words, like so I started to ran. That that's that's what he said. That's what the punchline was. So I started to ran and I I was like, dude, like he he means run, you know? Yeah. 
but he says ran because that's who he is, you know? So I started to ran and I, that just hit and bolt of lightning hit me. I was like, dude, that's hilarious <laughs> what he just did, yeah. you know? No, not the cops came, so I started to run. No, like the whole part that he's just trying to get away from the cops is a Mexican thing too, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, so so I started to run. I started to ran. But I'm like, dude, this guy sounds like everybody outside of my door, you know. Mm-hmm. He sounds like everybody that I've grow, grown up with, and he's on TV saying that, and the people like ate it up. And I was like, dude, that's that's awesome that this that. He's on TV, but I can see that he's just a regular person that just came up with that, and he's giving it to everybody else, you know. And I was like, dude, that's 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 what I wanted to do stand up. And then I started to watch more stand up on on Comedy Central, and then I saw Pablo Francisco's special where he does the preview voice thing, and I was just like, this guy is just a goofball. Yeah, he's a machine, you know. Like look at you know, like the whole Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. You know, I've never done. Like, I'm probably the only comic that's never done the Arnold voice on stage. There might be a Do you few. usually don't do impressions? Um, I I can, but not in my set. No. Yeah, I don't do it. I just... Um, Why is that? I don't know. Just too much going on. Like, sometimes I'm just thinking so fast, you know? Like, there's so much... You ever get off stage and you go, damn, I forgot that one joke, yeah. you know? Uh, there's so, been, there been time where I, I did not do the entire set at all. Yeah, the scary thing is sometimes my set can can be ten minutes or or fifty to an hour with the same jokes. You know, you know it's amazing <laughs> that that you you could accumulate such such a long time performing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The longest I ever did was thirty minutes, and I felt like I did like good stuff for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. So how does that work for you? Um, I mean, granted, you got nine years behind you, but was there a point where you're like, God damn, I got more jokes now to, to run a marathon? Well, I have nine years, not nine hours of material. Uh, I don't work on material the way people are, like with their notebooks. They go, wow, and they throw a big, giant notebook on, and they're like, uh, here's five minutes of boring stuff. You know, like, <laughs> like I wish I could sit there and write. I don't, I don't, it, the, like, the jokes, whenever I do open mic stuff, even if pe- people can tell, that open mic stuff all I do is jokes that I know that aren't as funny <laughs> at open mics you know but I do a lot of improv and riffing and I just crowd work and stuff like that if I get heckled my set's gonna go for an hour at least um but like I said I got all that stuff from doing seniorities dude. I learned all about heckling and bad bad crowds you know just like people yelling at you jokes that, it was not even jokes that don't work it was just like just riffing and just like being in a rowdy environment you know pretty much hosting hosting yeah and like um just being all around that early at the early part you know not and not having all these real easy shows you know like it Mm -hmm. just it made me pretty tough yeah Yeah, well in anything you work harder than usual you appreciate once you get an accomplishment even more yeah and i I had an okay start. I had a fast start, and then it slowed down. I won't say from year two to about four. For about a couple years, it was pretty slow. Um, I was with a girl that had uh, she had we had a family. She had three kids, full time job. Not your kids. Not my kids. Uh, just straight up, I had a family like wow. overnight. How old were you? I was twenty twenty six. I started and, comedy at twenty five. And you felt like you're ready for for family life. I was just, we were having a lot of fun, you know? Uh, <laughs> she was a fun girl. Some people that, that, some people know who she is, know who I'm talking about. 
Uh, she was around for about five, five and a half years of my, yeah, five and a half years of doing stand-up comedy. So the first, first the couple years with her, she wasn't like, where are you at? What are you doing? You know, that didn't come to like the end right. where I just got like fed up. I'm like, this is, this is. And, and not married. Not married, just Okay. But together. felt married towards yeah, the end. Yeah, Some people know her. They know, they know she could be cool and not be cool. Same thing with me. Like we would just have like these like bad nights you know and she liked comedy so it was like you know but sometimes she would just be there to see what i'm doing and stuff like that so it was slow for for about three about three years the three end part and so when we had broken up um i started doing everything that i could Mm -hmm. so i mean i was doing if i was doing the schedule that i had then that i do now you think i was dead because i was doing maybe one mic a week Mm. Maybe, maybe it's pretty much where I'm at right now. Four, with this yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, maybe, maybe, maybe you know, maybe five a month. Maybe you do. You, know? Do you find it, it's hard to keep a relationship while doing stand-up comedy on this local level? Um, it just depends who you are and what you want. You know, like the one that I have right now, it's basically like, all right, I'll see you Tuesday and Saturday. You know, and you know the person, you know. My girlfriend, she's um, she works a lot, you know. She work with different schedules. She works during the day, and I work at night. So it's like, unless you want to come see me at a show, it it, it was hard to balance. It's and did, did you meet her during stand up? Yeah, lately. She's okay, a, she's a comic also. Okay, um, and she, so she knows what's about then. So she knows, so she knows, but okay. it's it's a lot of the stubbornness has been on my part. Just like there's just like days where like I just get off shows or get off work, and I'm just like. I want to go to my bed, you know, just want to go to my bed, go to my room, get a burrito, just fuck, scratch my whatever, fart, just be a man in my room, you yeah. know, in my little cave and not have to text like, oh no, I miss you too. You know, that stuff. Like I just like, I need to zone out, you yeah. know, I need to zone out. And it's like, I'm working, I'm coaching at high school that I'm doing standup comedy and I'm doing more standup comedy. How long have you guys been together? It's almost five years, probably. Oh, okay rough five years on and off five years but more on than off but it's all my it's all my fault all the bad stuff you know and she won't listen to this podcast so that's why i'm saying it here she doesn't like me no she doesn't know you oh that's right <laughs> no it's not that she doesn't like you she doesn't know <laughs> Jorge, you man i don't know give her some time <laughs> no but actually it's amazing hearing that uh, five five years and you know handling that and comedy because I hear a lot of, you know, stories of, of of people not being able to balance relationships yeah. and doing comedy. Well, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, What's your secret? I don't know. Like, So the <laughs> thing is, like, I don't like to just do a set and leave unless I have, like, three. You know, it's like, boom, boom, boom. But it's like, after a show, you know, how many times you do the caravan? You're like, all right, I'm off. I'm done. I'm out. You know, there's you always want to hang out. You know, and if there's days where I don't hang out, it's like because I have to work in the morning, or it's that I have been working all morning. You know, there's just that like you. A lot of the times, I like to wind down at the show. You know, like people at Woodhams, they come, they do their sets, and they chill for a little bit. They'll have a beer, unless it's the ones that have to work. Like Travis Denley goes up first, boom, he goes back home to Santa Cruz. Dude, like the schedule of, of a comic is just you never know what it's going to be. You try to know what it's going to be. You have a sense of what it's going to be. But at any given moment, dude, they can just, like, just change, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a comic that gets a lot of work. Not just open mic comics. Like, 
open mic, like, oh, I'm just open mic and open mic and open mic Once you start to get more and more showcases, the phone can just ring at any time. Dude, someone bailed. Can you can you get out here? I'll cover your drinks, your gas, excuse me, your food. I'll give you 60 bucks. You're like, just do 20 minutes. I'm there. All right, I got to go, you know? And it's, it's not always about like, oh, I'm going to make 60 bucks. They're going to cover my gas. It's about... Somebody wants me on their show and they need me now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, I'm wanted. Like, they could have called anybody. They called me. Boom, I'm there. You know, and then you show up and you kind of save the day. You know, and that's that's also fun too. You know, just showing up, dude. I needed someone to fill in. Pete showed up and man, it was tight. You know, or if I ever need someone, dude, like, referred this guy and they, dude, he he did a good job. And now you know, it's like, to, to make bookers happy or keep people like. I can count on this guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like you come from a, a pretty creative uh, family because I know your brother does music. Mm-hmm. So I assume you're, for the most part, when you told your family you're doing stand up, they were supportive for the most part. Would you say? Yeah. Um, when I first did my first show at Rooster Tea Feathers, um, I had seventy five people show up, and this was like. It wasn't like I put a bigger flyer out. Oh, dude, come see me. You know, I wasn't I wasn't like that. It was just like I just told one person. And then I just started to like all my friends knew, you know. And then it was like it was something that I had wanted to do for a while after once I started to figure out stand up and stuff like that. And so I took my mom had said to me, she goes, she goes, you should join like a softball team or something. So like we can go watch you play games like, you know, like that'd be fun. And that's right when I started to do stand-up. I go, let me do stand-up instead, you know? Yeah. And now she doesn't even come to my shows. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you wanted me to do something that you can come see. Yeah. But, you know. You know it's funny you say that. It's, it's something about Latino families and sports. Yeah. Because I remember uh, my family is, is always sports-oriented, soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time in high school, I did football. Yeah. My family, uncles and stuff, soccer, they're there. You know? Yeah. They're there. Yeah. And I remember, I think I'm probably the first in my family to do theater, to do, you know, st- you know stand-up. Yeah. So for them, they find it too, I felt like a bit more foreign. You know what I'm saying? They're like, what is this? Th- what's the stage? What's, yeah, what's, what's... yeah, yeah. They're like, how come he's not playing soccer or something like that? Yeah. I, um, we, I, yeah, we have a very athletic family. Um, my dad ran a 408 mile in high school. Uh, a 408. 408, yeah. Four minutes, eight seconds. A mile, a mile, yeah. That's how fast my dad. Wow. was In high school, takes me like thirteen minutes. My uncle ran. I don't know. He probably ran like a four, four ten mile. His his younger brother. You're you a know. runner yourself. Yeah, and so oh, I, you got the lineage of yeah, runners. Yeah. So, um, so they ran, and so it was always like I'd always hear these stories. I'd see pictures of them when they went to James Lake High School. That they ran. My all my uncles played softball. My uncles boxed. They played softball football track you know they did they did everything and um my, my uncles on my mom's side they they golfed they basketball i always hear stories about the sports you know and so when i was growing up we lived i lived on story and white next to this church and it was just a church parking lot and we played football baseball soccer we played hockey in this parking lot and mm-hmm. they had lights it was like our stadium it was our the church is still there they have a bunch of stuff in there now but it, that was our sand lot so so growing up you know um did you play anything competitively i was yeah i was always fast and then i started i played baseball 
I played baseball, I'm going to say literally for like maybe five years. Um, and then I was a pitcher. I was supposed to pitch. Um, and I was at my uncle's house messing around on a truck and I fell off the truck and I hurt my wrist. Oh shit. Um, and I was just like, I was, I couldn't play baseball. Like I was supposed to pitch that weekend. And then I ended up not pitching, not pitching and not playing baseball. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, I'm kind of done with baseball. You know, I was in sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, that's chose, pretty demoralizing in sixth grade <laughs> to be like, "Hey, you're not playing." I'm like, "That's you're my not- window." Right there. <laughs> um, and so, so I just ended up like losing interest in baseball. And then they had track in seventh grade at Joseph George, and I couldn't wait for track. I was always fast in school. It was that was the thing. Like back in the day, it was like, "Who's the fastest at your school?" You know, yeah. like it was. I just liked running. I was just quick. You know. We'd do these little events in, in elementary school, a little figure eight sports day. I'd win at, you know, and I'd be still the bacon. I, you know, just love just still the bacon quick, man. I was oh, just, man. you know, it was just so quick. And then they had cross country uh, track at, at our school and I couldn't wait. Um, and so I was a distance guy mile in high in middle school. That's the distance mile is the long. What you run the mile. How can you run that long? That's so long. So I ran the mile. Uh, I ran a five, I think a five ten in in seventh grade mile, um, and then I ran the eight eighty, which is two laps, and I was on the mile relay and the quarter mile relay, so that that's where it started for me. And I had really good coaches. One of my uh, middle school teachers was an Olympic runner, um, marathon runner, so I was really close to her. She would tell me about her races in Japan, and she would win the Mercury News. Um, she's now a coach at Valley Christian. Uh, Miss Gutierrez. Oh, great school. Yeah, for sports. Yeah, Rosa Gutierrez. They kicked our asses and everything. Almost. Dude, she's yeah. she's such a, she was such a big influence for me. Um, and so then eighth grade we didn't have cross country or track, but I still kept running. And so once I got to high school, it was just like I couldn't wait to to be a runner, um, to be like a real legit you know get out there. And like from all those years, I grew up story in white. All my years in high school, you could see me on weekends run, running on White Road, either to Milpitas, Calaveras sign, or to like Evergreen. That was just I would you would I would hear all the time. Oh, I saw you! I saw you running the other day. You know, I was the way I ran is the way I do comedy now. You know, how's that? It's just like you 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 know where I'm at. You see, you're like, oh man, dude! Every time I turn around, you're here or you're there. I always see you pop up in different places. You mm-hmm. know, and so. Um, was really good in high school, and then after high school, I did. I just stopped running and started working. And then I contacted my coach now from Mount Pleasant, and I said, "Hey, do you need any help with any like the runners?" I'd always always wanted to help. My schedule became more free, um, and so I just I've been coaching high school. It's it's been a year, a full year that I've been coaching. Yeah, I always find something poetic about runners, like something about what is it that they do like like when it comes to contact sports i get it mm-hmm. you know the competition but when you're running it's it's like you're going up against someone's time yeah well there's 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 runners and there's racers so people go like yeah i'm, I'm running a marathon you're you're doing a marathon you're not racing you know right like a lot of people like i said i tell the kids when, when we have meets mm-hmm. i go you can't run today you have to race you have to see somebody that's beating you and beat them. That's that's what you have to do. You've we've get, we've given you all the training. You know how to do it. All the speed drills. You have to pick someone and beat that person. Wow. You know? 
Yeah, that's a great metaphor so for comedy, not, don't you think? <laughs> it's not. It's not just. Oh, I, uh, I gotta. Uh, I've gotta run the race. No, you gotta race the race. You know, you need to be competitive. You can't just let these guys because this person's not gonna let you beat them. You're not gonna let them beat you. You have to. It's a battle. You know, and like a lot of my friends now, they go. They used to make fun of me. Why do you run? Why are you run? You're running on this and that. And now they're the ones doing these half marathons with their pictures, <laughs> pictures of their medals. Like, Look at my medal! It's like you paid a hundred bucks for the race. Yeah, you paid for that medal. You did, you know. Yeah. Who cares? You just jogged with your headphones on. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's totally different. Totally different. <laughs> Way two different things. But do you feel like that's a pretty good metaphor to sum up how to approach comedy? Don't you think? I mean, yeah. there's a difference between people who do comedy for the sake of the craft. Yeah. And there's others who want to do comedy. To just get ahead of others and and try to get get a repertoire of venues they did like you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah 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 I mean people say like comedy's not competitive but like you want to you want to be it can on, be it can be yeah, yeah it can be it it doesn't it's not saying like like you don't walk around the street and you go oh dude this and that that guy no hell no you know like you want I I just want to be on the best show possible you know. Like, I see shows sometimes, and I'm just like, dude, who's going to follow? Who's going to host? You know, who's going to headline? These guys are all hitters, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how all the shows should be, man. Like, the whole area, I, I think within five years, everyone, every show that's put on here is just going to be hit. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Everybody's getting better. Everybody is getting better, man. Uh, we did a show on Friday. I was in Santa Maria. I was in Santa Maria with Frankie, with Frankie Marcos. I took him down there. We did the show. And he's going on before me, and he, he couldn't get off stage. He's just fucking, he's slaying. He's just killing it, dude. Killing it. And so you do open mics on Monday, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to suck. You walk into the caravan, and you're like, oh, this is going to suck. But you're doing all this hard work that you don't know is paying off until you actually do those big shows. Yeah. And it wasn't a big show that we did. It was just a regular a show that we did at, at a steakhouse with a crowd. And that's all you need, you know? Some people just don't, they get up there and they get down on themselves like, dude, this is going nowhere, this is going nowhere. It's because you're open-miking too much, you know? Mm. It's like, you, you. there's a such thing as op- over-open-miking. Bombo, this comic from, from used to be here, he goes, he's all, P-Dog, you can't always, always, always open-mic, dog. You're going to burn out. And I, I don't burn out from open-mics, but I have enough showcases in between to, you know, to balance it out. Because if you just keep open micing, you'll never know how good you are. You won't know. There was a comic. Um, I won't say his name, uh, but he recently asked me. He goes, he goes, Pete. How will I know when I have ten minutes? How will I know when I have uh, fifteen minutes? I go. You should start with five, um, because a lot of I see a lot of comics doing this, where they're just working, 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 working on the sets, and it's like they're not working to have five minutes or ten minutes. They're working to have an hour. You know. Mm-hmm. You can't cut just no shortcuts in comedy. I wish there was. You have to go and do that five. If you get that five minute set, and you take it to Roosters or whatever, and you just you smash at Roosters or you smash anywhere else with that five minute set, other people are gonna see that set, and they're gonna go, I can use that set on one of my shows. I know what this guy can do. I'm gonna have him on my show. So you you take that set around for months or uh, about a year and then it just gets bigger you know and i always say that that it goes from like it goes about a minute and a half yeah each year your time is just getting and that's a joke and a half yeah um a joke you know and then a joke you're working on so you know five seven ten 
12, 15, 17, yeah. you know, and then 20. And then, you know, it, it, and then once you get to like 15 and like that, you know what you're doing. You okay. know how to expand your set, you know. Okay, so it's like in the beginning or just don't race, just run. Just just do your work. Don't race, just run. Yeah. Just run. Yeah. And like I said, I see a lot of people right now. Like this this comic comes up to me goes, he goes, how do I know when I'm good? I'm like, dude, you've been doing this for almost over a year. You should you should have your five minute set. And then people are like, well, what's like why a five minute set? People want more. They want you know people don't want to wait in line. You know people are like, I met someone that goes, well, I shouldn't be hosting there. I should be featuring by now. It's like, well, you have to host first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know who you think you are. Like you like. You have to host first, you know. Like even people like Drew Polk, you know, that dude's gonna have to roll out, host, and then go back in and roll back out. Like you have to, you know. You know, looking back now, because I, I, I kind of got thrown into hosting yeah. for Scotty, but I'm glad I did because it almost feels like a rite of passage uh, for a comic. You know, like you, you you get a bigger picture of what you're dealing with. Oh yeah, you're you're running. Especially with the way with Woodham's usually about thirty comics, we've gotten up to forty, close to fifty. That's five hours of comedy. That's like almost three shows, you know. And it's just like boom, boom, boom. And like, yeah, I hear people like I hear how good the poet is on Monday, and it's like, man, I wish I can go to that show. I want to go to that show, but it's like I'm getting so much out of Woodham's, you know. I'm getting so much out of Woodham's where. Before Woodhams, I sometimes I'd go to rooms and I'd be like, "Oh man, this is gonna be tough." I can go almost anywhere now and just like and not have that that anxiety. Like, "Oh, am I gonna do okay?" Like, I know how to get a crowd, a crowd of a two, a crowd of twelve, a yeah. crowd of sixty, a hundred. You know, like I know <laughs> there, I can you know pick them out and work and work with them. There's nights at Woodhams, you know, they're not all great, you know. Yeah. But there's there's been nights at Williams where I'm like, all right guys, let's go, let's do this. There's six of us here, four of them are comics, you know. But then you start, you get the ball rolling, and then before the night's over, you're like, dude, like tonight, tonight was cool. It ended up being cool. So, I like I said, I just get so much out of that room. Like I'm mm-hmm. very lucky that that I get to host for five hours if I want to, you know. You have an impressive list of comedians you've opened up for via improv or via other venues. Yeah, and, improv's helped me out a lot. And I'm not sure, because I'm sure you opened up for some of your idols growing up. Mm-hmm. Was there always like, you know, I don't know, because there's always that backlash of do you want to meet your idols in person? Right, yeah. Um. So the cool here's the cool thing about about working opening for somebody in a big venue they've already gone through the through the hell you know like like you know like i'm glad when you work with someone who who the club has flown them in the, the club's putting them up at the fairmont they have whatever food they want they're making on bare minimum let me see at the improv you're probably making 20 to forty thousand dollars a weekend there's these guys are in different moods than they were 15 years ago when they're like oh dude i gotta catch the bus to headline my show it's such a different environment so i'm glad that i'm working with them now you know like sometimes you go and you do you you do shows here and it's like 
you know, like you're just like in this weird room. There's a box of pizza there, and everyone's like, you, everybody gets one beer, yeah. you know, and, and, <laughs> and the 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 grind, you know, and yeah. it's like, oh, all right, let's go, let's do this. But now, you know, like when I do shows with Felipe Esparza, they're sold out. You did the, the attitude. I'm not saying him, but I'm saying who wouldn't be excited you know like let's do this you know let's go this is gonna be tight you know we're ready are you ready let's have a let's have a good show and you get out there and it's just a good time all night you know so i've never met anybody where it was like oh dude this guy man like and and at the same time work at that club or any club is awesome like you're still in front of a solid crowd that are probably if you do your job they're gonna want to follow you they're gonna be into you so um but the only person that i've met that was in a bad mood and i've heard this a couple other times was Ari spears i met him um i featured for him on a thursday and on a sunday uh i met him, when he walked in he didn't want to talk to nobody i get and i'm assuming that it was probably just it was thursday Here's how I know, because it was Thursday. Well, I know it was Thursday. He walks in, he's just like, whatever, just with a towel, checking checking the crowd and stuff like that. He's probably been on a flight all day, you know? Yeah. Who knows, who knows yeah. what he's done to get there? Everybody is is like that, you know? Pe- people see these celebrities, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you in a bad mood? Oh, because I'm human, you know? Yeah. Like some little kid probably ran over, you know, like my foot on the way here, and, you know, just because I'm a celebrity, I got to, you know, let that go. Like, People are in bad moods for whatever reason, right? And so then on Sunday when I came back to the show them, way different person. He's like, oh, what's up, dog? You know, he was way cool. And that was probably the only time that I've ever dealt with anybody, like, just, like, in a grumpy mood, I guess. But other than that, like, when I did the show with Bobby Lee, man, that dude is cool. Bobby Lee is so, so cool. Like, you sit there and you just, I go, I'm usually not, hey, man, I like you in this, I like you in that. But it's Bobby Lee. Like, dude, Bobby Lee, he might get naked. He's so dude, he got naked. He got he gets naked and he gets naked <laughs> and he humps people. He mm-hmm. humps people on stage naked. He humped a guy. I saw him hump a guy on stage and, and they take it. They, they take they, and they, they take yeah. it and the crowd's like ah ah. They're like they sound like birds. Like the that crowd was going crazy. Yeah. But it's like I'm sitting there and I go, dude. I go like of all movies, I go, dude, The Dictator. You're awesome in the dictator. He goes, what for reals? You know, and and what was just wrong? The dictator? He was just that weird guy that um, he had the Chinese wife that she didn't speak English, so he would make fun of her. And he, and oh he, yeah, and, he, and he'd go to her face, and he goes, <laughs> and he's like, you're a stupid whore, and she smiles. She goes, mm-hmm. and he goes, see, she don't speak English, you know, like and that's that dude, and it's just it's so that's funny, right. and I was just like, dude, cracking up, and. Uh, over the New Year's, I got lucky enough to do the the New Year's show with Pablo Francisco, and that was that was man, I'm still hungover from that New Year's show. It, where did it take place? At the Improv. So they did the balloon drop. Um, they did two shows, and thank God we had a day off the next day. <laughs> yeah, because that was dude. I was we were just slamming, smashing. He. He's so fun to be around. He's sitting there, we're watching South Park, and he's he's like got the TV Lord, and he's doing his own voices. He's all, "Yo, man, hey, man, come here, man," you know. And he's he's like, "Dude, you don't want that," you know. And he's like doing, and you're just watching him, and you're just like, "Dude, this is so, this is 
this is awesome. And I used to watch this guy on TV. This is the reason why, one of the reasons why I wanted to do stand-up. And he's just sitting there, and he's just, like, going off, and he's making, like, making jokes. And he's just like, yo, man, you want something to drink? Dude, the time behind that of riffing, yeah, like, like on the spot. The, the way he is on stage is the way he is off stage. He's super cool. I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories about how he likes to party, and he gets all hammered. Dude just sat there and just drank like vodka Red Bull and chilled. You know that's the worst thing that I seen him do. Um, and dude, he's dude, he's awesome. He was like, let's go on stage and do some skits. He so we did these low, gay lowrider magazines where like he would just do like this picture, <laughs> gay like, just gay poses where he would just be like, Prah! and I'd yeah. be behind him with a gun. Yeah. You know, like and um, you know he came he came up to me before the weekend was done and he's all. Goes, how old are you, man? I go, I'm 34. He goes, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Just keep doing what you're doing, you know. And dude, like he's coming back, and I'm going. I'm, I don't care. I'm making my way in there. Right. I, that's a show that I don't want to. I don't want to miss at all. all right, we're close to uh, closing up the show. Uh, what are some, you know, advice you'd give to anybody starting off comedy? Do, do every show. Do every show. Um, that's that's what I I do. I've done breast cancer shows in backyards. Uh, How was that preparing for those shows? Uh, I wasn't even supposed to be on. I was just there. <laughs> I was there with Layla. Layla it was Layla and Patrick McDermott, and then yeah. they were like, "You want to get a set?" And I was like, "Sure." So I jumped on. Uh, I've always like it was like Save the Tatas organization, something. Or something? I think yeah. uh, something like that. But um, I remember I started. I wanted to do backyard comedy at my house. We had a backyard. That I love. I used to live on 13th and Heading right here. Partied hard at that house. So I'm like, why don't we do comedy? All the comics are always here. Let's do comedy. Excuse me. In the backyard. We did it. And people people laughed. People were like, comedy in your backyard. What the hell? It was awesome. It was awesome. And now I'm seeing comedy everywhere. In backyards. In living rooms. Comedy is everywhere now. You, you foresaw the alternative I comedy scene. I knew that scene there was something there. Before, <laughs> the alternative comedy scene yeah. started at Pete Munoz here in San Jose. The, here's, the, here's, <laughs> the, here's what I wanted to do. Uh, so we had a pretty big backyard. And we had a big wall. Uh-huh. So I wanted to have the show. Uh, our living room was about this size. Our kitchen. So I wanted to have the show in there. And there was like in the corner and then there's like windows to see in and um have people sitting in the in the living room but i wanted to project it on a sheet outside in the backyard so you could even have another crowd like it's uh-huh. another little section and so like, ambitious. i wanted all that was my vision you know but the the highlight of that thing joey bragg was was there joey bragg came he's on disney channel now but um it was me joey bragg jay stowe layla did it i think Atu was there um we just did a little show in our backyard. Nice. Yeah. And what's the future for you, man? What's the next step for you? Just to stay busy. That's that's the only step I need. To stay busy and everything else will take care of itself. All right. Pete, thank you for coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the coffee. See you later. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>